Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. You and I are in a spiritual battle against the devil and his demons. Some of you are even feeling it today. Some of you have been fighting the devil all week. Some of you have been fighting him all year. Since 2020 started, some of you started 2019, and he just carried over the new year. Can I get a witness in here? We're all in a spiritual battle, and it is a real battle. In fact, it is a spiritual battle that often manifests itself in the natural. Why do you think we have in the news today all these shootings taking place in schools? Why do you think we have people coming into churches and shooting up churches, shooting innocent people? Where do you think that's coming from? Well, God definitely didn't tell them to do that. And it didn't, it's not something that came up on their own. It is the devil that is trying to kill, steal, and destroy everybody he can. That's who's behind the terrorist attacks that's going on around the world. That's who's behind the families that are fighting. The devil is the one who's behind the sicknesses that are coming on the world. There's a new one now. Have you heard about this one? The coronavirus? They don't, the World Health Organization, the CDC, they don't know what to do about it. It started in China. And now because of our transportation system, it's now spreading in other parts of the world. They have no cure for it. Now, can I tell you something? Jesus said that would happen before he came back. He said, before I come back, he said, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines. There'll be earthquakes in diverse places. There'll be pestilence. You know what that word pestilence means? It means diseases, super diseases that they don't have a cure for. This is all fulfilling what the Bible said because Jesus is coming soon. And the devil knows he's running out of time. And because of that, he is attacking everybody he can any way he can. And there are many signs of being under spiritual attack. But this morning, we're going to look at four of them and see what we can do to overcome these attacks. So, warning signs of a spiritual attack is the name of this message this morning. The first sign that you're under a spiritual attack is you begin to have feelings of worthlessness. Feelings of worthlessness. Being under spiritual attack does not mean that you have sinned or backslidden. In fact, it's often the exact opposite. Some of the most frequent times of spiritual attacks come after you have overcome a major sin or you have had a time of great success or you've been consistently sharing the gospel. The devil hates those things. And that's why, that's when you, need, you might start experiencing feelings of worthlessness. That's what happened in our text in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was a mighty prophet of God. If you'll back up in chapter 18, you can read chapter 18 in your own personal devotion time. But if you read the chapter before this, you'll realize that Elijah had just challenged the false prophets of Baal to a showdown on Mount Carmel. And uh, he had called fire down from heaven. Elijah had it. And God heard him and fire came down. And not just burned up the sacrifice, but Elijah, by faith, had gotten, had gotten all these barrels of water and poured water on it. So there's earthly, no earthly way it would ever burn. But when the fire of God falls, there's nothing too wet that God can't set it on fire. 
I want to tell you this morning, you may have been out of church for a while. You may feel like your wood's wet. But if you get under the fire of the Holy Ghost, he will light your fire again. He'll blow upon the ashes and he'll rekindle that fire in your heart. Because you are not worthless this morning. That's the devil attacking you, making you feel that way. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Elijah restored a child back to life. Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and God listened, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Then Elijah prayed again, and God sent rain after a three and a half year drought. Elijah, when the Spirit got on him, outran a chariot of horses. This is a mighty man of God, but our text tells us that he was still human. He was human just like you and I. The Bible tells us in James 5, 17 that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And so in, in our text in 1 Kings 19, Elijah ran when Queen Jezebel threatened him. He went to the wilderness to be by himself. He climbed up under a juniper tree and he asked God to just let him die. Why? Because he was under spiritual attack. And it came right after he called fire down from heaven. It came right after a major victory in his life. And I want to tell you this morning, because you're under spiritual attack doesn't mean that you've sinned. It could be because you just won a great victory for the kingdom of God and the devil's mad. But it's all right because let the devil get mad. You just stay glad because the devil is a liar. Can I get a witness? And my friend, if you're having thoughts of suicide, you're under spiritual attack. The devil's lying to you. He wants to make you think that you're worthless. He wants to make you feel that it's hopeless and helpless, that everybody around you would be better off if you just weren't even here. The devil's lying to you. That's a spiritual attack that you were under. That thought did not come from God, and it's not coming from you. Let me tell you something. Every thought that comes across your mind, you don't have to entertain that thought. Because the devil will whisper in your ear. He'll put thoughts in your mind. And if you take them and entertain them, the more you entertain them, then the more you're going to want to do it. And that, the devil knows that. The thoughts are, are seeds of temptation. And so we see here that Satan will often send somebody to threaten you or tell you the bad news. Because Queen Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. The devil will often try to send somebody your way to tell you some bad news or even to threaten you. The same is true when you look at the story of Job. Because you see, the devil is not original. He's not creative. He keeps doing the same things over and over again. And if we can expose the patterns of his warfare, we can, we can recognize them whenever they come around. In the story of Job... When Satan attacked Job and his family, the Bible says that one day that a servant came up to Job and he said, Job, Job, the Sabians, the Sabians came and they took all your sheep and they killed all your servants and they left me alive so I could come and tell you. Ain't that just like the devil? And the Bible says while he was telling Job the bad news, another servant comes running up and he says, Job, Job, Fire came down from the sky and killed all your livestock, killed all your servants except me, and I came to tell you. And while he was telling Job that, a third servant came and said, Job, Job, the Chaldeans, the enemies, they came and stole all your camels and killed all your servants except me, and I came to tell you. And while he was telling him a fourth, this is exactly how it happened. You need to read it. 
Yet the fourth servant came and said, Job, Job, listen. A great wind came out, came out of the east and blew your children's house down and killed all your kids and everybody there except me and I came to tell you. My friend, the devil will always leave somebody alive to spread the gossip. And if you're the person spreading it, you better watch because you might be in the devil's back pocket. You might be the first one to hit the altar this morning and say, God, forgive me for what I've been doing. I've been doing the devil's bidding. The devil always leaves somebody alone to come and threaten you or tell you the bad news. And I want, but the question is this. Can you handle conflict and still seize your destiny? Can you lose everything you've got earthly and still hold on to your faith in God? Because if you're waiting for it to end before you do something for God, you'll never fulfill your purpose. The devil will keep making sure that he keeps hitting you and keeping you busy, too busy for God. Some of you have been through some devastating circumstances. And you may be thinking, what's the use? I've failed too many times. You may feel like Elijah. You just want to run away from it all. Listen to me. Don't let the pain that you're experiencing now keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Women have told me that after the pain of childbirth subsides, the desire to have children comes back. My friends, God will give you the desires of your heart. And the desire of your heart, desire can be greater than the pain that you're experiencing now. God can fulfill the desires. You see, pain can be forgotten. But desires and hopes and dreams will keep you moving forward. And no matter how many bad experiences you've had, God is not through with you yet. That's why the devil's trying to make you feel worthless because he wants you to give up and quit because he sees God getting ready to pour out a blessing on you. He sees God getting ready to strengthen you and, and make a way and make a job where there seems to be none. And the devil's trying to get you to give up, but the devil's a liar. So how do I overcome these feelings of worthlessness? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was leading the people of God to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And the enemy was coming against them to discourage them and try to stop them from building it. And so Nehemiah readied himself for battle and he kept on building. And the Bible says this in Nehemiah 4, verse 17. They which built on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that labored, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand, they held a weapon. My friend, that's a perfect picture of the Christian life. You need to grab your weapon, which is the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. And you grab, you grab a hold of your weapon, as Pastor Jeremy said this morning already. When you're going through the tough things, the tighter the grip you need to have on your weapon. You see, you keep the devil. You keep fighting the devil while you keep working for the Lord. You work for the Lord with one hand. You fight the devil with the other because life is worth living. You are not worthless. You are worth much more to God than you realize. You might be listening to me this morning thinking, you know, I'm too old. My life is over. I'm in retirement now. What can God do with me? Well, he can do a lot with you. Because when you read through the Bible, I see a lot of senior citizens that God finally waited to the retired before God actually called them into ministry. Moses was 80 years old when he came across a bush that was on fire. You see, he'd been in Egypt for 40 years 
training to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. Then he was in the desert for 40 years, so he had spent 80 years of his life training for what God had in store for him, and he didn't know it. My friend, he was getting ready to step into God's purpose for his life. And I want to say to you today, no matter how young or old, everything that you've been through has brought you to this place in time, and you're getting ready to step into your destiny. If you're willing to say, God, here I am, use me. He's the great I am. He can do what he wants to, when he wants to, and he don't need no king or faith to give him permission hallelujah you see God showed up when Elijah was discouraged he fed him restored him and he went in God's strength 40 days and 40 nights my friend God wants me to tell you this morning don't quit God's going to restore your desire and it'll be stronger than the pain that you've come through you are not worthless you're worth everything to God it's just an attack of the devil The second sign of a spiritual attack is times of prayerlessness. Times of prayerlessness. I think everyone's had a dry season in their lives with periods of prayerlessness. But when these times extend into days and weeks, it's a very sure sign that you are under a spiritual attack. Some might ask, God, where are you? Let me ask you a question. Who moved? Did God move or did we move? Because you see, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 5, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you feel like God has deserted you, I promise you, God has not left you. It is just a spiritual attack by the devil to try to make you feel alone, but you're never alone. In times of heartache and distress and trials, we need to remember that God never changes. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. My friend, if he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful to you now. Don't you quit praying. You keep ringing the prayer bells of heaven. God's hearing every prayer you pray. The Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Brothers and sisters, God is always ready to hear your prayers. But when we stop praying, we lose that relationship we so desperately need. Imagine not talking to your best friend or your spouse for days and weeks. How would they feel about it? How would they feel about you? Well, now imagine how God feels when we don't talk to him. You see, I want to tell you something. If prayer doesn't work, then why does Satan have people around the world deceived into praying to him? Because the Hindus pray to a false god. The Buddhists pray to a false god. Muslims pray five times a day to a false god. You know who they're praying to? They're praying to the devil. The devil's lying to you, telling you that prayer don't work, but he's got other people praying to him. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. Can you see that? That's why it's just a spiritual attack. And if all these people are praying to a false god in hopes they might be heard, and we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who said my ear is always open in their cry, how much more should the people of God pray? I wish I had a witness in here. Anybody prove that prayer works, give him a praise. Because when we stop praying, we take away our greatest source of power. Let me ask you something. 
You can raise your hand on this. How many of you ever tried to pray and the phone starts ringing? Or the baby starts crying? Or dogs start barking? Or all kinds of things pop into your mind? Come on, let me see your hands. You know what that is? The devil's trying to get you to quit praying. He is so bound to keep you from praying. Why? Because he knows he can't stop a praying church. He can't stop a praying Christian. Prayer works, friends. Satan trembles in fear when we pray. And that's why prayer can be hard work. And when you're under spiritual attack, that's the last thing that you feel like doing. But that's when you need to remember, that's when I need to pray even more. Because you only make progress in your life when we're moving forward on your knees. You know, God doesn't take orders from anybody. He's God. He's sovereign. But when you know how to pray, God will listen and he will do what you ask. The Bible says in James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So when you're, if you feel like if you're going through times of prayerlessness, listen, let this be the day you come back and say, Lord, I'm coming back to my source of power and energy. Forgive me for believing the lies of the devil. Today, I'm calling on the one who knows me where I'm at and knows how to get me out of this. The third sign you're under spiritual attack is you get feelings of condemnation. Feelings of condemnation. Now, this is close to the first sign of feeling worthless, but it is different. When you start feeling, have feelings of condemnation, you might feel that, that you're not a Christian because you see how far short of God's glory and holiness you fall. And you start feeling bad. You feel condemned over it. Or Satan will tempt us to sin, and when we give in, the devil is the one who condemns us and makes us feel guilty, and we become so ashamed that we won't even ask God to forgive us, and the devil will keep pouring that guilt on us, but the devil is a liar. I want to tell you what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what that means? That means no matter what you have done, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, no matter who you did it with, Jesus wants to set you free from guilt and condemnation because when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he knows what you've done wrong, but he won't make you feel guilty. He won't condemn you. He'll say, come to me, child. Let's get it fixed. I'll help you make it right, and he'll come alongside you, and he'll lead you to the Father, and he'll He'll pray the perfect intercessory prayer for you and the Father will hear what the Son says and he'll forgive you and wash you clean. Anybody glad you're clean? You're not on parole. You're not on probation. You're free. You see, sin brings a yoke of bondage with it. Imagine your mind a farmer training a young ox. He'll place a light yoke upon its shoulders to get it used to carrying that around. And then, gradually, he'll increase the weight as the ox grows bigger. It won't feel any resistance until finally it's big enough and strong enough to pull a plow. And then the farmer will hook a plow to the yoke, and then he'll stick that plow in the ground. And now the ox tries to move, and now he's got to pull his way through and pull the plow through the ground and start working for the farmer. That's what Satan does when we sin. You see, he will come and hook, up, hook us up with a temptation or a bad habit or something. He'll, he'll hook it on us. And at first, 
it, it's kind of fun. And we get used to carrying that weight around. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, there is pleasure in sin for a season. If it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. Can I have an amen? I mean, we've all sinned. Come on now. But there, there is pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. You see, that's when he puts the yoke on you. You get used to carrying that around. Oh, man, this is all right. This is fun. It ain't weighing me down. I can keep doing what I want to. But then he gradually increases the weight. And he increases the weight. And when you first start off standing up like this, now you've been over like this. But see, you don't notice because it's an everyday thing now. You get up like this. You go through the day like this. You're burdened down with sin. And then he hooks the plow to you. And next thing you know, you're plowing, working for the devil. But now you're so bound by that sin and by the temptation or by the habit, you can't break free on your own. Oh, but Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has set us free from the yoke of bondage. He took upon himself the yoke of the law and sin, and he broke it for us. Therefore, through Jesus, we are set free from the heavy yoke of sin, and his yoke is easy, and it is light. Hallelujah. Now listen, if you're thinking that Jesus is the farmer, and we are yoked with a lighter load, that's, not, that's the wrong picture. That's not how it works. You see, farmers... When they, try to, when they start teaching a young ox and getting them ready to plow, not only will they put the yoke on them, but a farmer will yoke a young ox with an older, experienced ox to train them what to do and how to plow. And so it's the older, more mature ox that will take the major load, and the young one will walk beside him and learn from him. Jesus said, take my yoke. He didn't say, let me put a yoke on you. He said, I want you to take my yoke. You see, Jesus has the yoke on him. He's stronger than us. He's more experienced than us. He said, here, you take it. My yoke is easy for you. It is light for you. I'm going to carry the burden myself. And you're going to walk beside me. And I'm going to teach you how to walk. I'm going to teach you how to talk. What a comfort it is to know that Jesus is the one who carries the yoke with you. Hallelujah. And if you stumble and fall under the weight of your cross, he'll help you carry your cross too. The Bible says in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, Satan will never come alongside and help you. He'll just keep hanging more stuff on you. Until you get so weighted down that you can't get up, and he just drags you to hell. That's what the devil wants to do, but the devil's defeated today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now Paul is talking in the context here about marriage and relationships. But it's the same picture that I just painted with you about, being, un, about being yoked together. You've got a big ox and a young ox. That's the way it works. But he said when it comes to relationships, when you've got a Christian who is strong in the Lord, yoked to an unbeliever who doesn't even know about God or even rejects God, what you end up having is it's like a, an ox yoked to a chihuahua. 
If you get that picture in your mind. And so the ox is basically carrying all the load in the relationship. They're, they're trying to go the direction that God wants them to go. And the whole time the yappy chihuahua is yapping over here, trying to chase a cat going the other direction. And the ox is pulling the whole load. And Paul says a relationship like that is not going to work. You single people need to take notes on this. You, you need to find the one person, not the 10 or 20 on Instagram. Find the one person that is chasing after God with everything in them who knows how to take a yoke like Jesus and follow Jesus. And then you get yoked with him. And then the two of you with Jesus, you can pull everything that comes your way. Who am I preaching to today? You see, when Satan tries to put condemnation on you, let the Holy Ghost remind you of Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth nor anything else can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, if you feel condemned this morning, don't believe your feelings. Believe God's word. God is not condemning you. The devil is. And if you have sinned, come back to God. He'll forgive you, and Jesus will put the light yoke on you and destroy that yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. Anybody glad you're free today? Give God a shout of praise. The fourth sign that you're under spiritual attack, and I'm going to close with this one. The fourth sign you're under spiritual attack is a famine of the word. In other words, you lose the desire to read God's word. Imagine with me that you have a close friend or a loved one that is away on business for a long time. And they begin to write you letters and emails. Yet you never open them and you never read them. How do you think that would make them feel? They would probably be hurt because it would show that you really don't want to hear from them and you really don't care about what they say or you're so busy that you won't take time for them. Well, the same is true for the Bible. When we neglect Bible reading, we are neglecting God because you cannot separate the God of the Word from the Word of God. When you read the Word, it is God speaking to you. The Bible says, or Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Jesus said that. He said, when you continue my word, you are truly my disciples. You see, the times when you don't feel like reading your Bible are the very times you need to read it the most because you're under spiritual attack. The devil doesn't want you reading the Bible. The, David, the psalmist David said this in Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Our best protection against sin is the Bible. You see, God's word is powerful. It is food for your soul. It's a light in darkness, a devouring flame, a crushing hammer, a life-giving force, a saving power, a defensive weapon, and a probing instrument. It can read and discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. When you read the Bible, the Bible's reading you. It is a powerful book. You see, God's Word does not change with the times or the circumstances either. That's why David said in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. My friend, if God said it, that settles it. 
And he, I ain't going to change my mind till God changes his mind. And you can apply that to every societal issue that's in society today, every political issue that's coming out this year, everything you hear, God's word has something to say about it. And if God said it, that settles it. But when you start disregarding the word of God, then you'll start believing any wind of doctrine that comes along. And that's when you end up with confusion like we have in this country. Let me ask you a question. If God took all the natural knowledge out of your mind, except what you know of the Bible, could you stay alive? Or would you be a functional illiterate because you know more about sports and hunting and shopping and other things than you know about Jesus and his principles for living? Because you see, serious Christians are serious about the word of God. You might be thinking this morning, you know, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. I need direction for my life. Guess where you'll find it? You'll find it in the word of God. Again, Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What was he saying? He was saying the word of God gives me direction. The word of God will show you what his will is for your life. He will show you the direction to go. This might be the hardest thing to do when you're under spiritual attack, but it is the best thing you can do because there is real power and direction in the word of God. At the very time you feel you least want to read the Bible, that is the exact time you need to read that Bible. Make it a daily priority get a, get a reading plan and stick to it every day me personally I don't eat anything in the day until I read the word of God because Jesus said man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and I'm thinking you know what if this is more important than food I need to get in this first before I feed this physical body you might be thinking well pastor I can't do that I'm diabetic I have to eat it's okay while you're eating open the word of God and read it You can eat it spiritually and eat physically at the same time. You can do it. Why? Because you need the word of God. It is your greatest weapon to use in this spiritual warfare. And so in conclusion, if you're having feelings of worthlessness, feelings, thoughts of suicide, if you're having times of prayerlessness, if you're having feelings of condemnation, or if you've been going through a famine of the word, you're under spiritual attack. That's what's happening. And it doesn't mean you sin, doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. You're under spiritual attack by the devil. And here's what you do. You need to get back in the word of God. You need to start praying again. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Because the same God who came to Elijah when he prayed will also come to your rescue. Hallelujah. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.